Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I don't know if the, the, the creator of Reese's in 1928 realized what a phenomenon could be had by, I don't know whose idea it was to bring chocolate and peanut butter together, but it was a good one. And whoever decided that in, in 28 uh, brought the Reese's cup to us, had a good idea. Seemingly though, I thought about that this past week as I thought about grace and truth and our, our walking lives that are full of grace and truth as we're going to look at here in just a moment. It would seem on the surface, those two don't work to, well together. They don't play well together. Because grace uh, is seeming on, on, on the one hand, kind of anything goes, carried to extreme, is anything goes. Truth, on the other hand, carried to extreme is nothing goes. It, it, it's, 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 it's all judgment, no, no, no forgiveness on this side of truth. And all forgiveness, no judgment sometimes on this side of grace. Those, those definitions aren't altogether accurate, but I understand why people see them that way. Uh, and, and you and I are bent in different directions. You, you walked in this morning, you were raised in a home, you, you, you uh, are in work environments around friends and neighbors, where, and, and a lot of this is personality and preference as well as to how you were raised. But most of us are bent either in a direction toward grace or toward truth. If you're bent toward grace, it's far easier for you to forgive, far easier for you to see that everybody's got their own problems, me too, and so I need to learn to forgive the problems that you have. If you're bent toward truth, you, you are less forgiving and, more, and want to be more right than wrong, oftentimes. I'm bent toward truth. I don't like that about myself. Well, sometimes I like it about myself because I'm not afraid to take a stand on things, you know. But sometimes I, I wish I, I were more like my wife, and bent toward grace, bent toward seeing through a different lens. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm getting better uh, as, as life goes, as I learn and see some things uh, the Lord wants me to see. But it is, I think what we're going to discover in these next few weeks is these two can and should walk together. It shouldn't be one or the other. It shouldn't be uh, how I feel today or, or what my opinion about this situation, this circumstance is. These two should, should look, should be obvious in the life of every believer. Turn to John chapter 1, and uh, I want us to see this text today from verses 14 to 17, and come back and glean his description here of Jesus himself. Verse 14, John 1 says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 30 or 40 things come to mind to, to glean from this text today. We got time for about three or four. So let's look at them together. First is this. These are partners together, and together, uh, they are together because of our need. It says that in, in the first part of verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. 
because of our need. The word word here is and should be in whatever translation you're looking at today capitalized because it's referring not to the scripture but to Jesus himself, to the person of Christ. So that, that should be capitalized. Uh, John 14 uh, chapter 6 says Jesus says, I'm the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father unless he comes through me. So the word the term word here is referring to Jesus being the embodiment of truth, the embodiment of all that is right and all that is true. Uh, he, he became flesh there uh, in, in this verse, in verse 14, speaks to grace. His, his uh, uh, altogether being truthful and altogether being right was altogether a heavenly position. And when he chose to, or as the Father chose for him to leave heaven and come to earth, that was a position of grace. And becoming flesh was an act of grace on our part for us to see what it's like to walk, uh, him to see what it's like to walk through, 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 with, with human skin on, and us to see what it's like to, for divinity to do that and, and to be a model for us. Uh, this, it's, he knew it, it was a great need for us. Grace was a great need for us, and, and, it's, and that's altogether true. So the, the phrase word became flesh really is the first reference here in Scripture to this, this walking together, this partnership of grace and truth and walking together. It's kind of like vinegar and baking soda. Both of them are good cleaning agents on their own by themselves, but you put them together. Anybody ever put vinegar and baking soda together? And you don't have to scrub anything. You just put them together and just let it do its deal, and you walk back and it's, it's, it's wipe it off and it's spotless. It's kind of like how grace and truth work together in terms of what both of those elements bring to the life of a believer is powerful because we need to know what we believe and, make, and, and, and look for places and opportunities in our culture to take a stand on what we believe, yet doing so with great grace and, and, and understanding that everybody's not on the same page with where we are today and uh, we need to give them grace to, to meet us where we are and to where God's drawing them to. Uh, but there's a powerful mixture together, this grace and truth. So uh, that's the word, word picture that John's trying to paint here. John, who writes Revelation for us himself, uh, you, you see the word pictures in Revelation. And he's painting this word picture here of, of this balance of truth and grace uh, here in John chapter 1. He paints that because Jesus brought truth and grace together because of our great need for both truth and for grace. Secondly, it's together, they're together because of our need. They're together because of his nature. Look at the last part of verse 14 with me. It says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Watch this, full of grace and truth. There are two important things to see, uh, I think, from the, this last phrase of verse 14. First is this, that all the authority for the distribution of truth and grace comes from the father. All the authority comes from the father. It's transferred through the son, through the word, through Jesus himself. That initiates and is uh, is brought about uh, from the Father Himself. Uh, Jesus doesn't go rogue; on his, He's not doing this on His own. This is from the Father. The, the two are walking in hand in hand, and in, in, in same step here in one place. Uh, the second thing is this: is that perhaps the most significant word in verse fourteen is the word "full," meaning that Jesus wasn't and isn't 50% grace and 50% truth. He's 100% grace and 100% truth. Full of grace, full of truth. 100% of both. Now how, how do you do that? 
Well, if you can get your finite mind around that, see me after it's over and explain it to me. I don't get it either, but that's, that's altogether who he is and who he's calling us to be. He is not looking for situations where grace needs to be applied and truth needs to be applied, but, look, but applying grace in every situation and truth in every situation. Walking that per- perfect balance as he did himself. Uh, we're, it, John later writes in the book of Revelation uh, with detail of description how uh, this, this, this picture and nature of Jesus, he's telling us here that grace and truth isn't just something to, that he conjures up, uh, nor should we, on an as-needed basis. It's something that ought to ooze out of the cracks of our conversation. It ought to ooze out of the cracks of our life. People, when they look at our life, they need to see that picture, that balance of grace and truth. That's who Jesus really is and who consequently that he's calling us to be because that is his nature. They're together because of our need, because of his nature. Thirdly, grace and truth are together because he has no limits. Look at verse 16. Because he has no limits. Out of his fullness, verse 16, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Grace in place of grace already given. He reiterates again that it's out of 100% truth and 100% grace this abundance of Jesus himself can do, uh, give us grace in an unending ending, ending supply. Romans chapter 5 verse 20 says, the law was brought in so the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So Jesus inserts himself humanly, physically, fleshly, into a culture, into a world that the law has been the, the predominant uh, source of, of right and wrong. And here he takes the law, takes all, all truth, and balances it with this lifestyle of grace for us to see that the law itself and by itself is inadequate. It needs grace to, to, to give us a, a more full picture of God's mercy toward us, his forgiveness toward us, his love toward us. Uh, remember last week I referred to God being the God of the second chance? That's exactly a picture of, of how possible it is for just, for uh, a just God that will hold us ultimately accountable for all things to be forgiving and, and, and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving on top of that. Uh, the truth isn't compromised because we'll all be held accountable to it, yet grace is poured all over it. As you, as you look at the judgment, the beam of judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment to come, both of them, those are just uh, pictures. Those are pictures of great justice and it may be pictures of, in your mind uh, or in your heart, a harshness or a cruelness to God. And he isn't harsh and he isn't cruel, but he is just. And there, there will be a reckoning. Yet, even though there will be a reckoning, the beam of the judgment seat of Christ will be a great picture of, yes, this is true, but here's how grace looks like applied to that truth. Here's what my grace has done when you stepped out of line, when you couldn't, when you couldn't walk the truth as you, as you needed to. Here's, here's how grace applied to the law looks. It looks like the life of Jesus. And it, that, that beam of judgment seat of Christ, I think, will be a, a picture of great justice and a picture of great grace at the same time. That's, that's, that's who he is. As we just saw, that's in his DNA. That's who Jesus is and who we are to become as well. Uh, word became flesh. And grace and truth is who Jesus really is. There's no compromise when it comes to, to the word to truth itself, just like there are no limits on how and where his grace is, is applied and supplied for us. Verse uh, 16 speaks to that. He gives us grace in place of grace already given. It's this idea of a, if you, if you can keep, get this idea of a water pitcher filling up a glass of water 
And the glass of water keeps overflowing and the pitcher never stops. Yet the water keeps overflowing, but yet the pitcher never stops. And the water keeps overflowing, but yet the pitcher never stops. It continues to be filled and pouring into your life and mine grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. That's who he is. That's the nature of who he is because he has no limits. And they're together because of our need, together because of his nature, and because he has no limits. Finally, these two are together because they're perfect together. They're perfect. Look at verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth through Jesus Christ. John points to the idea here that the law itself was inadequate. It was an inadequate model to follow. An inadequate model to draw God's people back to himself. We see that in scripture. Uh, it was given as well through an imperfect flawed messenger, Moses himself. Uh, yet here's grace and truth on the other hand, was delivered through this perfect model, Jesus himself. And it's, uh, it is our living out our faith in him, our, our following his terms, our following his design, his plan. Uh, he is because he is the model to follow. So our right standing before God has little to do with checking off a list of do's and don'ts. Just like the rich young ruler came to Jesus. And Jesus spouted out four or five things from the do, and he said, I have done those. I'm good. I'm in. Jesus says, sell all you have and then come and follow me. And he hangs his head and walks off leaving Jesus because he's unwilling to do that. Uh, this, this, this picture of the law being a, a, a list that we check this box. I'm at church. I threw something in the plate. I, I read my Bible occasionally. I, don't see your life your, as a follower of Jesus as a list that you need to check off. If you do, the list is going, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. The enemy is going to make the list longer and longer and harder and harder. If you see life, though, as in your walk with Christ as setting the list aside, yes, understanding what the Scripture says, what, that it, it is altogether right and altogether true and altogether needs to be followed. Yet our failures in it are just as obvious to us as our successes are. More so, as I say, the enemy will see to that. But if we see our life through the lens of checking off a, a list of do's and don'ts, we're missing the thing God has for us to see. It's, it's, uh, of course, Jesus, Jesus did that perfectly. He never broke the law, yet he was a picture of grace. He did that perfectly for us. And, and, and that's the model to follow instead of living up to a list. Follow the model and ignore the list. Uh, each of us as I said earlier, are going to be bent in one direction, either toward grace or toward truth. Uh, based on a number of things, our, our upbringing, our personality, our, our past. But we all have to start somewhere. And John starts his account of the gospel here with this, this, this perfectly balanced model of grace and truth in Jesus. It gives us an, an insider's view as to who he is and what his life's supposed to be about. Well, as we wrap, a couple of observations. First is this. Grace and truth embodied the life of Jesus. Grace and truth embodied the life of Jesus. Uh, here are a couple of examples of that. Um, you remember the story of Jesus t uh, turning the money changers out of the temple. Great picture of truth. You remember the story of, of his, or story after story of, of his uh, 
basically coming against the Pharisees to, to, to publicly, uh, I'm trying to think of a nice way to put this, but publicly humiliates them. And, and his, his idea of, of his walking in truth is who he is. But there are also pictures of grace there as well. Uh, in fact, his calling Matthew as a disciple was a great picture of grace. He was a thief. The tax collectors in that day and time were thieves, as, as the story of Zacchaeus was as well. His pursuing relationship with Matthew and calling, calling him to be a disciple was uh, scandalous, really. And, and calling Zacchaeus down out of a tree to go to his house and have, have dinner with him was, was scandalous because these guys were thieves. What's, what's he hanging out with thieves for? Because he was full of grace and truth, but full of grace. Uh, the story of probably these two coming together into one instance, uh, at least in my mind, is you remember the story of post-resurrection, the story of, of his conversation with Peter by the, by the seashore. Peter said, I'm, I'm going, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going back to fishing. They go, you know the story, they go out, put their boats out, fish all night, catch nothing. It's morning, Jesus is standing by the, by the seashore. His, they're close enough to hear him call out, got any catch? No, no, nothing, sir. Throw your nets out on the right side of the boat. What does this guy know? Throw their nets out on the right side of the boat. They can't bring them all the way out. John speaks up in that moment and says, I think that's the Lord. Peter jumps out of the boat <coughs> into the water. I don't know whether it's over his head or whether he thinks he's going to walk under or walk in it, but he jumps out of the boat. Heads toward Jesus on the seashore, and this, this conversation that he has with Peter is a great uh, balanced conversation of, of grace and truth because he asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Reminding him of the truth of his denial. Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. There's the grace. Get back at it, Peter. I forgive you. Get back at it. Peter, do you love me? More truth. Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. Get back at it. I'm pouring grace on your denial. Third time, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know him. You know everything. You know that I love you. Get back at it. I think the third question was a dinger moment for Peter. A dinger moment of, ah, three questions. Three denials. I should be toast. We all should be toast. But grace is poured out again and again and again to Peter, to you, to me. He, he did that perfectly to walk in great balance between grace and truth. 100% grace, 100% truth. So, so what's the takeaway for us? Takeaway is this. People need to see both of those when they examine you and I. Yes, I know you're bent in, in one direction or another. As people look at you and me, they need to see both of those things walk, being walked out, intentionally walked out. 
I've got to be intentional about grace because it doesn't come easy for me. The law comes easy. The truth comes easy for me. So I've got to be more intentional about grace. If, you're, if you've been on the grace side, you may, you, you may need to, to walk out truth more intentionally and plan, plan on, on, on how you can do that. Encounters you have with people, places, stances you can take at work, situations that, that call for uh, some, ab- some sense of absolute in, in a grayer and grayer and grayer culture. We need to be intentional about, about standing for truth and standing for what's right. As, as this study unfolds over this next few weeks, we're going to see the, the, the great asset these two bring to each other. The great asset grace is to truth and the great asset truth is to grace. Why? Because brought together, it's like vinegar and baking soda. They're powerful. They're powerful together. Standing on their own, they're good too. But you bring the two of those together in the life of a Christ follower. And those are powerful, powerful testimonies. Such that folks will be drawn to you to say, tell me what makes you tick. Tell me why you see this that way. Tell me why you do this with money. Tell me why your marriage is this way. Tell me why, tell me why your kids are, are different than mine. Tell me why you, you prioritize this in your life and, and I don't. But, the, the, the marriage, uh, our being full of grace and full of truth, that, that marriage is a powerful marriage. I want to encourage you to start to pursue it. As I said, if, you're, if, you, if the pendulum swings in your life more toward grace and truth, try to be more intentional about truth, and you'll see the power of them coming together. If it's, if, if it's like mine and swings more toward truth, try to be more intentional about grace, and you'll see the power of them coming together. How I got to use them again, 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 in conversation after conversation, encounter after encounter, situation after situation to say, when you walk like I walk, when you're full of grace and full of truth, people are going to be drawn to you. They're going to be drawn to, to, to the difference in you, the distinction in you that sticks out in our culture that says everything's true. Truth's all relative. You make it up week to week, situation to situation. And nothing can be further from the truth. Because this book speaks to that. So I want to encourage you today to, to not see these as, as enemies, not even to see them as opposites, but to see the power of them coming together in your life and my life and, and that kind of witness to those around us. Uh, like vinegar and baking soda, it, it, it's explosive. And God will use it in that way in your life. I promise you, if you'll, if you'll give that a test, you'll see God honor it again and again and again. Let's pray. Father, we're here, most of us, with a a great lack of understanding about your word. Some of us with more understanding about your word and a great lack of understanding about your grace. Today, would you help us to see you not two entities, not two principles, not two points in the message. Calls us to see you. And your perfect balance of truth and grace, your, <clears throat> your conversation with Peter at the seashore to say, this is still true, Peter, but I love you and I forgive you and I want to pour grace on your mistakes. When we see that in our own life, our failures, our mistakes, the times we've blown it, are the times you pour grace all over it. And we're going to stand before you one of these days and answer for those things and have no answer apart from grace. 
So help us to see today that we don't have to abandon truth to walk in grace or abandon grace to walk in truth. They walk together. And when they do walk together, well, you, you use them in a great, great way. You desire to do that in each of us. You desire each of us to walk in perfect balance. It's hard in our culture because we have a culture that is, is in total denial of truth and really don't understand biblical grace. But if we learn to walk it out, folks would see you in it and see you in us. When they look behind the scenes, when they, when they look behind the curtain and see who, who we really, really are, what we're made of, what, what drives us, what makes us tick, when they see this balance of truth and grace, because that's who you are. That's who we want to follow. You're the one we want to model. Give us the courage tomorrow to walk in the truth and grace of what we sing here today. In Christ's name we pray. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 